Myself Chakras, episode 82. Compassion for oneself is the greatest healer of all. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, action takers? AJ here, and welcome back to your one-stop solution for information, insights, and tips that will transform your life. Now, we've got some exciting plans for My 7 Chakras in the near future to provide you the best information possible so that you can kickstart your human revolution. Now, that can happen in one of two ways. I can either use my intuition to guess what information you might need, or I can straight away ask you. And I'm pretty sure that the second way seems more direct and straightforward. So, I have just one question for you. One question only. What is your single biggest frustration or passion when it comes to alternative healing i repeat what is your single biggest frustration or passion when it comes to alternative healing now in order to take part in this survey all you have to do is visit our website that's my seven slash survey and answer this one question that's once again what is your single biggest frustration or passion when it comes to alternative healing it will just take a few minutes but as a result of your support i will get the required information to understand where to focus my efforts so that you can get the information you need and desire so help me serve you and action takers please help me welcome our featured guest for today cat elton so cat are you ready to inspire yes i am awesome so cat elton is an author occupational therapist and someone who has lived with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis since age two. She's written two books, A Resilient Life, Learning to Thrive, Not Just Survive with Rheumatoid Arthritis, and True Health, The Inside Job. So Kat, I've given our listeners a short intro, Mm -hmm. but take about a minute and tell us a bit more about yourself. Yes, well, thank you for that. Um, I was diagnosed when I was two years old with, as you said, juvenile arthritis. And that's a disease that is incurable. It's chronic and it causes severe pain on a daily basis. So again, I'm 47 now. I've lived 45 years with uh, chronic pain, oftentimes severe pain. And when you think about that, when you think about that actual sentence, it would make you feel maybe sorry for me. In fact, um, I'm not depressed. I'm not on pain medication. I'm not um, a victim. Instead, I'm excited about my life and I'm excited to share the things that I've learned. And I've really, really transformed, again, how I handled my own disease over these decades that I've lived with it. And when I was younger, uh, I wasn't very healthy with how I, I managed my disease. But over time, I learned these lessons about how a disease and be healthy, how to live with severe pain and still be happy and, and fulfilled. And those are the things that I want to help other people to understand so that we can maybe change the conversation around chronic pain instead of thinking as this horrible, horrible thing to be afraid of, you know, realize that you can live with it and bring it along for the ride of your life, basically. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thanks a lot for that intro. Now, right before we begin today's episode, you have a powerful opportunity to light a lamp uh-huh. of inspiration in our listeners' mind. So, Kat, what is your favorite inspirational quote, and how do you apply this quote in your life? Well, you know, this is a great question, and I'm a quote collector. I love quotes because I get inspired <laughs> all the time. My favorite one is from an unknown source, and if anyone knows, maybe you can help us to um, know what that is. But where it comes from, but it is compassion for oneself is the greatest healer of all. And this is something I came across maybe 20 years ago. And it really helped me to shift how I think about what healing is and how to heal myself and understand that really compassion is the real, the keystone. It's the thing that you need the most when you're approaching healing in yourself or other people. So it's just something that I think about often, probably on a daily, maybe more than once a day. And it helps me to understand what's truly important in my life. I think that's a really wonderful quote. Compassion for oneself is the greatest healer of all. Yes. Because a lot of time people understand the importance and the power of compassion. But uh, in the midst of doing their task or their practice, they show compassion to people around them and to things around them and to beings around them. But they forget to show compassion for oneself, mm-hmm. they forget themselves. Yes. And I think like the analogy in the airplane, when the oxygen masks fall down, they ask you to put the oxygen mask for yourself first before helping others. So if you don't have compassion for yourself, it's going to be a pretty hard task to show compassion for others. So thanks a lot for sharing this wonderful quote. Now, what really inspired you to write your book, A Resilient Life? Well, um, you know, it was actually just the time that I in my life. And basically, just going to give you a quick story. Um, when I was young, I handled my disease by numbing it, by uh, the way a lot of people want to. Is if you're in pain, you want to just numb it. You want to distract yourself or subdue it. And over time, I realized that that was uh, not a very healthy way to approach your myself and my life because it got really, really um, tiresome for me. So I think that I shifted over time because I realized it wasn't about waging a war against my disease. It was about living well with or without my disease. And I think that uh, that idea shifted the way I approached my life and it ended up unfolding my life in a different way so that I could move into more healthier ways of being. Now, during this time, I was actually inspired to do this because I was in a horrible, horrible flare-up of my disease. And I was no longer to work, able to work as an occupational therapist, which is something I love to do. So I started to research for myself things that I could do to help and ways to be healthy. I kept talking to my friends about it, and they kept saying, you should write a book. <laughs> so I thought, well, what the heck? I'm not working. I'm, I'm doing the, I might as well write. And I turned out that I love it. And I feel like I can reach a lot of people through my writing in ways that I necessarily couldn't as a therapist working one-on-one. So that's kind of what inspired me. It inspired me because I knew I was able to turn, you know, the whole thing of turning lemons into lemonade. I was doing that for myself and I wanted to help other people to do it for themselves as well. Awesome. So you mentioned that you, when you were young, you handled your disease by actually trying to hide it, trying to numb it, trying to make it escape. Yeah. But then you experienced a mind shift and uh, you listened to people around you who said that, you know what, Kat, you should write a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're going to talk about that mind shift in a bit. But really quickly, for the benefit of our listeners, what is rheumatoid arthritis? Okay, good. Very good question. (laughs) So um, rheumatoid arthritis is the second most common form of arthritis. And the word arthritis just means inflammation in your joints. There's over a 100 different kinds. There's Mm -hmm. so many different kinds. But rheumatoid arthritis is a specific 
specific kind that affects your entire body, not just your joints. It's called systemic, meaning it can affect your organs, your tissues, your eyes. But it, what it does is it attacks the immune system that we all have. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing that we have gets confused. And instead of protecting our bodies, it starts attacking our bodies, specifically the joints. So when you have arthritis, you have a lot of swelling in your joints and a lot of pain. And that can move around. It's not always the same in the same joint. It's often in similar joints, but it, it can be very changeable. But it's always there. <laughs> it's always there, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that arthritis is the inflammation in your joints, but rheumatoid arthritis affects the entire body. So action takers, you can't even imagine the type of pain that cat was going through. In your book as well, you mentioned that you've lived in pain for 98% of your life. So what's an average day like living with rheumatoid arthritis and chronic pain? Well, you know, it's actually hard to say what an average day is because an average day isn't a very adaptable day. Mm -hmm. An average day is where I wake up and I begin my day with just some quiet meditation, some quiet time and trying to set the pace for the day. Now, I during that time, I, I look, I pay attention to my body and I kind of ask it what it's uh, ready for for that day. But every day I have to pace myself. Every day I have to get more rest than than you're someone who doesn't have pain. Every day I have what I call my pain toolbox. And just the way you eat every day and you brush your teeth every day, I do something or maybe more things than, than one thing to help to alleviate my pain. I know things that can help my particular pain. And that's because I've learned over the years to pay attention. So I do that every day. And every day, speaking of inspiring, I, I try to think of or read about things that inspire me to stay positive because, you know, you don't, as you probably know, talking to a variety of people in a more um, alternative field, you don't get to a pinnacle where everything's, you reached it and then you're all good and you don't have to do any more work. It's a daily practice. Mm -hmm. It's just like life. We go through life and as life, we get a little better, but it's a daily practice with that you need to develop a relationship with your body and your pain and let it speak to you you know it's like letting your life speak to you instead of you being demanding and saying this is what we're doing this is what you have to do my body doesn't always agree so i have to i have to let it have a voice as well so looking back now early on you didn't have the tools you didn't have the right mindset at that point what were some of the things you did to really distract yourself or to escape the pain well, um, I think that a big part of that was, uh, you said distraction. That's the key. <laughs> it was, it was willpower. There's one thing, you know, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And one thing I think I have as a strength is I have a lot of, um, determination and willpower. So I grew up in a very busy family and I studied hard. I would study, I would read, I would do things again, just to take my mind off of it. And, um, but along with that, which is the hard the thing, I think that where we self-sabotage ourselves, a lot of the critical part of the mind that when you're young, especially when you're young, you don't have the tools or any age, you don't have the tools. You compare yourself to the people around you and you look at yourself and you think you're not, you're lesser than. So for me, until I actually found my purpose, which was in my early twenties, I didn't feel that I had much value. So I basically tried to just get through, not really speak about my emotions, not really think about my emotions, but just like you said, distract, distract with activity, distract with with sleep, distract.
distract with. I never had um, a tendency towards substances to distract me, but I know some people use them, you know, to help to numb, mm-hmm. th- numb those hard feelings. Because there's an element of strong suffering, obviously, when there's pain. But you really have to, the whole thing of moving, in order to, to get through it, you have to move into it, not away from it, eventually. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I, that was the shift for me. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, you've hinted at this. Uh, you've mentioned that at some point in your life, you experienced a shift in mindset mm-hmm. and you began using your pain as a tool yeah. to guide you towards a better health. How do you go about doing this? It was, and, and this is what, something I want to emphasize to everybody. It's a process. It doesn't, you don't wake up one day and all of a sudden, for me, at least maybe some people do, <laughs> uh, wake up and say, I get it. This is what I'm going to do. I Looking back, you build upon your skills. Mm-hmm. And um, when that happens, happened for me, the first, there were little light bulbs that probably came a couple years in between. The first one was when I left my home and I didn't have a doctor telling me what to do. I didn't have my parents telling me what to do. So I was in college and I started seeking out resources for myself. And I went to a self-help class with the Arthritis Foundation and learned some skills. That was the first time I actually realized I could do something other than take a medication and not talk about it and just try to suck it up. Mm -hmm. And so that shift, that made me give me excitement for my future for the first time and gave me some movement forward. And then the next shift was when I started delving into alternative care. I moved away again from my from my parents' home and started to develop my own sense of myself and understand this is what I'm drawn to. It's a bigger picture. For me, everything has in the picture, the whole puzzle of your life, there are little pieces that you fit together. And, and as you go, you find ones that really fit well and you keep them there. Other ones, they don't fit. So you may be put them aside Mm -hmm. but it takes um, practice and an effort and enthusiasm what you call enthusiastic effort (laughs) now you spoke about alternative care Uh, Mm -hmm. what were some of the practices that you sort of went into that helped you heal or helped you get better or helped you deal with the pain Um, the first thing I found though was guided meditation visualization. Um, Straight meditation, just sitting for me was really hard because that increases my pain, Mm -hmm. staying still for um, certain, you know, a long period of time. But I have an active imagination. And so if I had a guided visualization, it helped me to to lift out of that pain and to move into a a different kind of, um, again, certain, uh, the more healing meditative state in a quicker way. So I was able to do guided meditation and that quickly gave me results. And I I felt my body get calmer, even in pain. It didn't tense. It doesn't guard, didn't guard. It actually relaxed more. Um, that was a huge one. And brainwave healing sounds are also really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Then I ended up in um, a Reiki, become learning Reiki and becoming, I'm not a, a Reiki teacher, but I'm at the level of the master Reiki. So I use Reiki, which is a form of energy healing that comes from Japan. And I use that on myself and, and you know, the, my loved ones. And all these things, what they tend to do for me with pain is they helped me to calm the body, calm the nervous system. Because again, when you're in pain, what do you do? You tense up, you get upset, you get afraid, you get anxious. That's just a natural thing. And what you have to do when you're in chronic pain all the time is to counteract these natural impulses with some more healthier ways of handling this pain. And so again, that's where alternative practices can really 
come into um, into play. And then just a couple, mention a couple more. Tai Chi and yoga have been wonderful for me as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, what I noticed from your story is that your life at that point, after that mind shift, was all about taking action. You were away from home. You had to be independent. Mm-hmm. And so that really compelled you to go out, do some research, take some classes. And as you did that, as you took action, you came to know so many different techniques, so many practices yeah. that would really help you. You came across meditation, but then because of your action taking capability, you tried it, but it didn't work for you. But that didn't stop you from meditating. Yeah. You found your own version in guided meditation using your skills, using your strengths of visualizing. You started doing these guided meditations. You learned about binaural beats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you learned about stuff like Reiki, Tai Chi and yoga and i think uh, what is a theme in your life is your ability to really experiment take action and not be afraid to make mistakes so that's wonderful thanks a lot for sharing yeah and i want to say that that's one of the gifts of pain right there mm. you know you imagine you're a young child and what's the worst thing could happen is maybe you um you know you don't want to get into a wheelchair or whatever it is so sometimes my worst fear would happen for me it was one of them was i didn't ever want to have surgery and i had to had to fuse um, two of my wrists in my young 20s when you go through these things and you your worst fear happens you learn to be a little more fearless you have you grow courage Mm -hmm. because you say well you know my worst fear already happened so what else can happen right (laughs) and that's where that to me is one of the gifts of pain i think pain is a really big teacher it's also a torture fest but (laughs) but that's i mean it is but then the pod there's also the the flip side which in life there's always seems to be a flip side of a negative or positive event Mm -hmm. you look at the negative and you flip it over to the positive it is a huge teacher and the trick is to become an avid student (laughs) So when I learned to become a student and to actually, instead of pushing it away and thinking it is this evil monster, and I said, okay, I'm going to look, I'm going to look at you, evil monster, we're going to talk mm-hmm. and I'm going to learn. And that's again, where that mind shift was really, that accelerated everything for me. And that again is, is what brings, you're talking about how it had the energy that gives you energy. It gives you energy to have a little bit of excitement and curiosity, that little curiosity. Hmm, what's going to happen next? What can I learn? Even in the midst of extreme pain, what is there to learn from this one? You know, and what's going to happen from here? <laughs> Wonderful. Now, let's take a few steps back. You say in your book that the medical system today is as ill as the people it treats. What do you mean by this? And uh, can this situation be changed? always can be changed. And what I mean by this is um, specifically, you know, I've been in the medical system in America, uh, just to qualify that, and this particular medical system for over 40 years. And it's changed to where the doctors literally have maybe 15 minutes with you if you're lucky. What can the doctor do in that period of time? Um, Not much besides maybe prescribe medication for symptom relief. So in the medical system, as we know it, it's motivated by profit. And the doctor is the the pinnacle. You know, the doctor is the, it's a hierarchical system, mm-hmm. right? So your doctor is still what you'd say God. You know, the doctor has the, the ultimate say. And there isn't a lot of communication 
um, and connection between the various disciplines. And when you have a chronic illness or chronic pain, you need to have all the resources at your disposal. The system is ill, I, in my opinion, because, again, there's a lack of communication. It's very, very uh, burdened by profit, mar- you know, by profit margins. And again, the hierarchy isn't really the way life is. <laughs> I don't think life has, is built on a ladder. I think we know that by now. And so, again, in a better system, you know, there are so many different things that need to happen to create a more healthy way of being. But the first thing you can do, and this can happen today for anyone as a person who is a patient in the system, and that is to realize that you're the expert. The doctor is a paid consultant. Your physical therapist is a paid, you know, very well-educated consultant, but you're the expert. And you have every right to ask for what you need, whether it's a physical therapist or a psychologist or a nutritionist, in addition to your doctor, because your doctor's there for that his or her role, but shouldn't really be expected to do everything for you know in all aspects of a comprehensive care. They just don't have the time for it. <laughs> so again, yeah, we just have to work within this system. It, it's, again, it's not going to change overnight, but within this system, you can still have a healthier approach to it if you remember that you're the one in charge. You really are the one that decides what your treatment will be. And you have every right to ask for what it is that you need. Now, you mentioned that it's totally correct. The doctors don't get enough time with you. The system is really driven by a lot of profits and making money. Yeah. And at times, the system is siloed. It's very separated. It's not integrated. That it should be ideally. Now, for somebody who is at home, maybe listening to the show right now, suffering from a rheumatoid arthritis or mm-hmm. a chronic disease in general, um, having pain every single day, how can you help? Well, I think the biggest thing is, I'm going to tell you, my little pearl of wisdom for those people, and including myself, is to be your own best friend. We, it's kind of been a theme today, too. But to remember, remember that you're worth it. Remember that even though you have challenges, even though, you know, you're going to have a life ahead of you, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, very likely your life will have some level of pain and discomfort and challenge for the rest of your life. But if your own best friend, instead of your own worst enemy, because we tend to judge ourselves more than we judge others, as you know, as you, we've said before. Mm-hmm. But remembering what's your best friend going to do? They're going to be cheering you on when you're doing well. They're going to be there for you when you're um, not doing so well. So again, having that in your mind to be your own best friend. And that way, when you're having periods when you're, you're feeling challenged or overwhelmed, which you will, Um, you will be more likely to understand that you deserve that love and you deserve that care and that you will, again, be able to persevere when the times do get get challenging. Because it's easy to love your body when it feels good, but but loving it when it doesn't feel good, now that's true love, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah. Now, you've gone through this journey and you've learned a lot along the way. For those who might benefit from your advice, your tips. Do you also take on clients for a mentorship or as a coaching? Yes, I, I definitely can do that. And all that information is on my website. Awesome. And that would be cat, uh, www.catelton.com. Wonderful. So we'll also have this link in the show notes. So mm-hmm. in case somebody wants to reach out to you directly, wants to ask you some questions, yeah. maybe wants to uh, learn how to handle this journey in a better way so as to avoid reinventing the 
wheel, they can reach out to you directly by going to uh, the show notes and the link is going to be there. Now, based on what you've shared so far, you have a major focus on positivity, a healthy lifestyle and taking action. So for our listeners to take a step forward in towards a healthier life, is there a health tip that you'd recommend? <laughs> you know, it's funny you should say health step because I think if I was going to recommend one thing, especially for people with chronic disease and pain, it would be move your body every day. <laughs> so take a step towards moving your body every day. And it seems counterintuitive when you're in pain. You don't want to move. But what um, people don't always understand is that it serves a need in the brain to move away from your pain when you move. When you are in pain, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to move away from it, right? Yeah. And so there, it's, there's actual physiological processes in the body, in the brain, in the body when we're in pain to help us to avoid pain in the future when you're in but when you're in chronic pain, you can't do anything because it's always there. But moving your body every day helps your body to, A, you know, do what it's meant to do, which is to move. But B, it helps your your body, mind, spirit, everything. It lifts your, you know, for me, I like to get out in, in the sun, in nature. Even there have been times in my life when walking five minutes was very difficult. I had to strap my knees and my ankles, but I did it. I would walk for five minutes, I would sit down. I would walk for five minutes, I would sit down. And what that did is it, again, it, it's partly also being able to do something on behalf of yourself and accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And, and that also brings that inner spirit and inner desire to continue to, to move towards health. I think that's a really powerful tip. Move your body every single day action takers. I know it's not easy. I, for myself personally, I don't like running a lot, you know, and, uh, but recently we had uh, somebody called Paul Michaels, a wonderful featured guest on our show who spoke about how you can harness technology to really become more healthy right so he spoke about health monitors and fitbits and all these companies coming out with wearable technology and i took upon his advice and recently got what is called a jawbone up move right so it's a small device that you you know just place on your body and just go about your regular day but what it does is it monitors how many steps you take and not only that it provides you insights and advice just like a personal coach uh, on your phone to tell you, you know what, AJ, today you just walked 5,345 steps. Tomorrow, if you just walk 10% more, you are well on your, on your journey to achieving 10,000 steps. And I couldn't believe it initially, but I have to tell you, you know, uh, Kat, these days, the way I look at steps is very different. I look for each and every opportunity to take an yeah. extra step, whether it is up the escalator, walking up the steps, or whether it's uh, in the night as well, going for that little jog just so that I can end sure I have completed my 10,000 <laughs> steps for day. I feel great. And knowing that I've actually walked so many miles now, uh, it feels accomplished. So uh, listeners, if you uh, have a bit of challenge about running or walking, get a health monitor. It can be anything. Try it out like a Fitbit or a yeah. Jawbone Up Move or something else. Because once you track your progress, you can get better. I think it was somebody who says, if you need to improve, it, your life has to be tracked. You know, uh, and that's a wonderful way to do so. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes it fun. Like for me, it, it's always about even in the hard times to have as much fun as you possibly can. Yeah. And then I want to I want to uh, expand a little bit on that because, you know, I'm making it sound like it's easy. It's not not when you have severe pain, it's not easy to move your body every day. OK. Yeah. And for me in particular, I'm someone if I didn't have arthritis, I think I'd be I'm very athletic in my nature as far as I, I'd like to 
push my body. Mm-hmm. But um, even for me, it's, it can be hard because I want to, I want to go on a bike ride every day. And, and a lot, of, most days I can't. And that can be hard. So, you know, when people talk about fitness goals, it's a very big, you know, to have these technologies and they're wonderful um, to, things to have. But also when you have a chronic disease, sometimes creating goals and saying, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week, that may not be feasible. That's why I say moving your body. For me, sometimes that's a gentle walk around the neighborhood. And sometimes it's a 40 mile bike ride. I mean, it can be anything, but I applaud myself for all of them. <laughs> because I know on the days that I'm walking on the block, most likely it, that takes just as much effort for me than to ride my bike for yeah. 40 miles is on a good day. And so that's where I want to just tell people who have rheumatoid arthritis or have pain and maybe they can go through, I've gone through years upon years where I, I can barely walk, but I still do what I can. You know, you do it at your level and you recognize your efforts for what they are. They're extreme efforts if you have severe pain to walk around the block. That's a great achievement. So I just want to put that out there for people. <laughs> so, yeah. When faced with a challenge, look for a way not a way out now this is a profound quote by david weatherford during this round action takers we listen to stories to become wiser and train ourselves so that when a challenge hits us we are ready to look for a way to face the problem head on and solve it instead of looking for a way out so cat take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge now how did you approach this challenge and finally how did you overcome it well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I have to say I face challenges mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. It happens um, every week. And if I wanted to give you a major challenge, though, it was when I was in my early 30s. That was when I was still working as a therapist and I could no longer work. It got to the point that I had a physical therapist friend that I was working with who told me I should use a walker to see my patients. And I was I got really upset with him. And in my head, I said, heck no, I'm not going to use a walker. I'm like, 29 years old. So that was a really hard time. I had to stop working and I was loved my job. And, but that is that time period that I, instead again of, you know, I was, it was suffering and possibly like I was suffering a lot, but I learned to over the process of maybe a year's time, this didn't happen in one day, uh, learn to what you want to kind of, I don't want to say embrace my suffering, but what suffering, um, when you can embrace something that's hard, it's supporting, it's accepting it. And so I finally just accepted and learned how to support myself in that suffering. But that's when I found this new direction, mm-hmm. which is writing about these topics and talking about these topics with people. So I can't physically necessarily t- go to someone who's in severe pain and to massage their joints. I'd love to be able to do that, but I can't alleviate pain in that way anymore. But what I can do is I can I can talk about it. I can help myself. I can and help other people. And again, that is what um, that severe challenge. That was the extreme um, decline in my physical body. And bef- I just want to make a point that before that, I was doing really well physically. And I was thinking, boy, I've kind of outgrown this arthritis. I'm doing. I can. I'm going. I'm. I'm great. And that's when everything shifted in a negative way. It completely changed my life. It changed my life direction. And on the face of it, it it stopped my life because I couldn't, my life trajectory completely shifted from a course of being a um, successful therapist and someone who had a lot of other options to someone who had very little options, who could barely, I couldn't get into a tub because I couldn't get out. 
you know, I couldn't cook because I couldn't chop food. It was, it was really bad, and this lasted for years. But again, that's when I learned to, um, for myself, look at my suffering, start to have a relationship with my pain and my health and my body, and think about health differently. Instead of trying to um, remove this illness from my body, which would be a miracle, I'm still hoping for that miracle, but instead of only focusing on that and feeling thwarted at every time when I didn't succeed in that, I decided, okay, I'm going to live well regardless. And I moved and I tried to, and that's when I started learning some of these skills. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back now, maybe in one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that our listeners can take away from your story? Yeah, so one major life lesson, I think, is, um, I thought Winston Churchill said this, but he actually didn't. Never, never, never give up is something that I've always said to myself, thinking Winston Churchill said it. Uh, He said something different, but that's the life lesson. Persevere. It always going to change. If you stick with it and you think it's it's gonna you, you can't handle it anymore, just handle it till the next moment. Handle it till the next moment. Handle it till the next moment. And then eventually the sun's gonna come out and maybe just peek out, but it will peek out. Persevere. Don't give up. There's always, always something around the corner waiting for you. They're always I guarantee it. I guarantee it. That's the one thing I can guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you mentioned that a friend at one point told you that you should use a walker to assist your patients. Yeah. And you didn't really like it, but uh, you ultimately had to stop working, even though you loved your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thanks a lot for sharing your story. I know that going back to a past, to a moment when you experience a lot of pain is really, really hard. But your story really shows us that staying within our comfort zones sometimes does not allow us to grow. No. Sometimes we must embrace our suffering, feel that pain, as you mentioned, and move beyond mm-hmm. it. And by doing that, you found another way to serve. You, you did that through your writing and doing that allowed you to also change people's lives. So that's really beautiful to know. And uh, many people say that when we find a job or a practice that we would do willingly, even if we weren't paid for it, that is one of the signs that we might have found our life's true calling or our life's mission. Yeah. Based on my conversation with guests Some guests have multiple callings throughout their life and some have one major life calling, right? But either way, these stories allow us to take note of the signs, the nudges and the hints that universe puts forth for us Mm -hmm. to take action. Now, before we learn about your story, a quick quote by Kurt Hahn, because he once said that there is more in us than we know. If we can be made to see it, If we can be made to see it, perhaps for the rest of our lives, we will be unwilling to settle for less. So Kat, have you found your calling? And if yes, what is your life's calling? Um, You know, I actually knew this at a a pretty young age. And my calling is to help people to help themselves. And um, I find that to be kind of the the thread. Okay, so back up. What what is your life? Why is that important? A life calling? It's because it helps you to shape the direction of your life. And people who don't have a calling or a purpose, sometimes there's a bit of an angst or or, or a need that you, you know, unfulfilled void mm-hmm. that you don't even know what it is, right? And so um, for me, this purpose, which is to helping people to help themselves, it's an extension of every everything that I do. Is I'm trying to help myself, and in helping myself, I'm I can learn things that I help other people with. I really believe that we're all here to be of service in some way, whether it's, you know, to the planet or to other humankind or animal kind or plant, you know, the plant world, we're all here to be of service. And it's part of our responsibility. It's a really, even though I have a lot of pain, 
I think, and, and maybe because I have a lot of pain, I think of life as this magical gift. I don't take it for granted. And um, we all are given this beautiful gift. It's our responsibility to maybe understand where our gift, our unique gift is and then share it with the world. It really is, I think, a responsibility that each of us have mm-hmm. um, in being born <laughs> with, uh, that comes with the privilege of, of being here because it is a privilege. Thanks for sharing. So, uh, Kat, looking back at your life now in retrospect, was there ever a particular moment, let's call it a magic moment, beyond which you were pretty confident that this is what you were meant to do. Take us back to that very moment. Yeah, I think that um, the moment that I that I knew it was actually in this arthritis self-help class that I took. And as soon as I took it and I knew how much it helped me. Now again, a lot of times you get these clues and you have no idea what it means or where it's going to lead you, but it's a little light bulb or a little fire that gets burning in your belly <laughs> and you just know you're compelled to move forward with it, right? And so um, at that point in time, I signed up to be a leader of that class because I I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. Again, I didn't know it was going to lead to a career in occupational therapy or writing or, you know, a a health career. But what it did for me, again, I told you when I was young, I kind of numbed myself. I didn't feel like I had a lot of value. I had felt like I was more of a burden than anything. When I was able to understand that I had something to offer, that's when it was like, that's when that moment happened for me and things shifted. Everything shifted in my life at that point. Wonderful. And with that, we have arrived at the grand finale for today's episode, the wisdom round. Now, this is a rapid fire round, which consists of four questions that need four short but power packed responses. So are you ready? Yes. (laughs) So what is the best advice you've ever received? Um, I actually read this. It was something that Maria Shriver, who's an American journalist and author said, and she was the American. Uh, also the <clears throat> first lady of California at one time. She said that life is a marathon, not a sprint. She was talking to college graduates. And at that time, I realized I had just started on this practice of this new um, way of seeing life and moving into life. And I was anxious to just get it all done. I was like, I'm ready. Let's bring it on. And I want to I want to get healthy all in, you know, today. I want to get healthy today. When I read that I, and I contemplated, I realized I have time. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We arrive at our destination at the moment they're supposed to be to come to us. We're not always the one who decides that. And when I realized that I was able to kind of just slow the pace and just do everything, do everything that I needed to do to get to that next step instead of racing to the next step. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So name a personal habit that keeps you healthy. Um, I would say self-honesty on that one. And I know that's um, something that is maybe not a typical habit. But um, the reason why I would say that is because sometimes um, we have a tendency, we all do, to for towards self-delusion because we want our life to be a certain way. And in reality, for me, obviously, I don't want to have pain, right? Mm-hmm. But if I pretend I'm not in pain... I'm going to tire myself out. I'm not going to be very productive. I'm just not going to help to pretend my life is different than it actually is. So if I'm honest with myself, I'm honest with the people around me, then I'm, again, I have a much stronger sense of well-being and much healthier in every way. Mm -hmm. Now, Kat, do you have a personal morning ritual? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? Yeah, I wake up and I, uh, before I leave the bed, I do some Reiki on myself. And um, does do I do you want me to explain a little bit about what Reiki is? Sure. Okay. 
So Reiki, again, is an, is a form of energy healing, and it comes from Japan, and you use different symbols for healing, and you use your hands, and you use the energy that comes from the universal source of energy. You bring it into your hands, and you either can, you can just use the energy, the Reiki energy it's a healing energy so use it for healing your life so i place the reiki into the, my future in that day i also have some thoughts of gratitude around that and it kind of sets the stage because when you have arthritis and chronic pain often you wake up in a lot of pain mm-hmm. so you have to if you don't do these things if i don't do these things i get out of bed and immediately i'm in the um more worrisome frame of mind anxious so no what's going on with my ankle today or in order to offset those natural, again, their natural reactions to pain, I calm my mind and my body first. And then I go through gentle movement before I continue through my day. Now, name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners. That would be um, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. <laughs> Do you know that book? I've heard a lot about that book. I haven't read it yet. Please but... read it. It's short. It's written by an Austrian psychiatrist slash neurologist who was shipped off to a couple, uh, more than one concentration camp during World War II. He did survive, and he he writes about um, his experience of suffering in the in the Holocaust, but also more than that, and how he found meaning through this suffering, mm-hmm. and how to transform suffering into meaning and purpose. Speaking about what your life calling is, your life purpose. This is a very very transformative book if you're searching for that. And even if you're looking just for inspiration on how to um, go through hard, hard challenges in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes to my mind, what does a person do when he or she is in prison, right? You can either use that time to be productive, to change your life, yeah. or you can just uh, go along as if nothing has happened. But off off late, I've come across so many stories of people who are in prison and use that time to you know, change the world. So if you think about Nelson Mandela, when he was in prison, and uh, in fact, I was watching one of these, uh, you know, interviews where Lionel Richie was talking about his life and Nelson Mandela comes out when he's out of prison and he tugs at uh, Lionel Richie and tells him how his songs, his beautiful songs really kept him charged up and, uh, you know, compassionate and, and, and wonderful all these years. Wow. And the other thing is for, for people who are into marketing, Gary Halbert, uh, the book Bore On Letters, you know, each day he would get up and write a little letter to his son teaching him about marketing, teaching him about sales. And uh, these letters are still there. Uh, you know, it's in a book called The Boron Letters because I think Boron was the name of a prison where he was based at. But I think uh, like Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things or when you change the way you look at your situation, the thing or the situation that you look at begins to change, begins to change as well. So yeah, so thanks a lot for those wonderful doses of wisdom. Action takers to access the show notes or visit my seven chakra dot com slash eight two and if you can share this episode with friends and family over social media they'll thank you i'll thank you and i'm sure cat will thank you as well and we'll all thank you for your thoughtfulness the link is www.my7chakras.com slash eight two so cat it was awesome having you on our show today before we close this session tell us one thing that you're really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you boy i'm grateful to be alive <laughs> i really am mm-hmm. i'm grateful for every moment of my life. And um, what was the second question? <laughs> well, tell us the best way we can find you online. Um, I, that's a good question. Um, again, my website, catelton.com. 
www.katelton.com. And um, you can find my books on amazon.com as well. Um, And again, just for everybody out there, uh, even if I'm not, um, you don't want to, you have a couple little questions, maybe please, please, please contact me. I'm always uh, available to offer some advice and support. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Wonderful. So listeners, if you know somebody in your life, a friend or family or relative who is uh, having a challenge with chronic pain or uh, is not able to cope up with it, then suggest this person Cat Elton, obviously the link is going to be there in the show notes. Or if you in general want to be more empowered, who you want to use your pain, your challenge, your situation, whatever you're going through, we're all going through challenges. But if you want to use your challenges to push forward and go to the next step, then I would highly recommend check out Cat Elton's website. That's K-A-T-E-L-T-O-N.com to figure out how she came out spending 98% of her life in pain and now she's come out triumphant. So Kat, thank you so much for coming on our show, teaching us how to learn from our pain and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.